0: book four chapter two of the Clansmen: an historical romance of the ku klux klan by thomas Dixon jr this librivox recording is in the public domain recorded by michelle fry chapter two the fiery cross the clansmen with their prisoners skirted the village and halted in the woods on the river bank the nighthawk signalled for single file and in a few minutes they stood against the cliff under lover's leap and saluted their chief who sat on his horse awaiting their arrival pickets were placed in each direction on the narrow path by which the spot was approached and one was sent to stand guard on the shelving rock above through the narrow crooked entrance they led gus into the cave which had been the rendezvous of the piedmont den of the clan since its formation the meeting place was a grand hall eighty feet deep fifty feet wide and more than forty feet in height which had been carved out of the stone by the swift current of the river in ages past when its waters stood at a higher level to-night it was lighted by candles placed on the ledges of the walls in the centre on a fallen boulder sat the grand cyclops of the den the presiding officer of the township his rank marked by scarlet stripes on the white cloth spike of his cap around him stood twenty or more clansmen in their uniforms completely disguised one among them wore a yellow sash trimmed in gold about his waist and on his breast two yellow circles with red crosses interlapping denoting his rank to be the grand dragon of the realm or commander-in-chief of the state the cyclops rose from his seat let the grand turk remove his prisoner for a moment and place him in charge of the grand sentinel at the door until summoned the officer disappeared with gusts and the cyclops continued the chaplain will open our council with prayer solemnly every white shrouded figure knelt on the ground and the voice of the reverend hugh mcalpin trembling with feeling echoed through the cave
1: lord god of our fathers as in times past thy children fleeing from the oppressor found refuge beneath the earth until once more the sun of righteousness rose, so are we met tonight. As we wrestle with the powers of darkness now strangling our life, give to our souls to endure as seeing the invisible, and to our right arms the strength of the martyred dead of our people. Have mercy on the poor, the weak, the innocent, and the defenseless and deliver us from the body of the black death in a land of light and beauty and love our women are prisoners of danger and fear while the heathen walks his native heath unharmed and unafraid in this fair christian southland our sisters wives and daughters dare not stroll at twilight through the streets or step beyond the highway at noon the terror of the twilight deepens with the darkness and the stoutest heart grows sick with fear for the red message the morning bringeth forgive our sins they are many but hide not thy face from us o god for thou art our refuge
0: as the last echoes of the prayer lingered and died in the vaulted roof the clansmen rose and stood a moment in silence again the voice of the cyclops broke the stillness brethren we are met tonight at the request of the grand dragon of the realm who has honored us with his presence to constitute a high court for the trial of a case involving life are the night hawks ready to submit their evidence we are ready came the answer then let the grand scribe read the objects of the order on which your authority rests the scribe opened his book of record the prescript of the order of the invisible empire and solemnly read to the lovers of law and order peace and justice and to the shades of the venerated dead greeting this is an institution of chivalry humanity mercy and patriotism embodying in its genius and principles all that is chivalric in conduct noble in sentiment generous in manhood and patriotic in purpose its particular objects being first to protect the weak the innocent and the defenceless from the indignities wrongs and outrages of the lawless the violent and the brutal to relieve the injured and the oppressed to succor the suffering and unfortunate and especially the widows and the orphans of confederate soldiers second to protect and defend the constitution of the united states and all the laws passed in conformity thereto and to protect the states and the people thereof from all invasion from any source whatever third to aid and assist in the execution of all constitutional laws and to protect the people from unlawful seizure and from trial except by their peers in conformity to the laws of the land. The Nighthawks will produce their evidence, said the Cyclops, and the Grand Monk will conduct the case of the people against the Negro Augustus Caesar, the former slave of Dr. Richard Cameron. Dr. Cameron advanced and removed his cap his snow-white hair and beard ruddy face and dark brown brilliant eyes made a strange picture in its weird surroundings like an ancient alchemist ready to conduct some daring experiment in the problem of life i am here brethren he said to accuse the black brute about to appear of the crime of assault on a daughter of the south a murmur of thrilling surprise and horror swept the crowd of white and scarlet figures as with one common impulse they moved closer his feet have been measured and they exactly tally with the negro tracks found under the window of the lenoir cottage his flight to columbia and return on the publication of their deaths as an accident is a confirmation of our case i will not relate to you the scientific experiment which first fixed my suspicion of this man's guilt my witness could not confirm it and it might not be to you credible but this negro is peculiarly sensitive to hypnotic influence i propose to put him under this power tonight before you and if he is guilty i can make him tell his confederates describe and rehearse the crime itself the nighthawks led gus before dr cameron untied his hands removed the gag and slipped the blindfold from his head under the doctor's rigid gaze the negro's knees struck together and he collapsed into complete hypnosis merely lifting his huge paws lamely as if to ward off a blow they seated him on the boulder from which the cyclops rose and gus stared about the cave and grinned as if in a dream seeing nothing the doctor recalled to him the day of the crime and he began to talk to his three confederates describing his plot in detail now and then pausing and breaking into a fiendish laugh old mcallister who had three lovely daughters at home threw off his cap sank to his knees and buried his face in his hands while a dozen of the white figures crowded closer nervously gripping the revolvers which hung from their red belts dr cameron pushed them back and lifted his hand in warning the Negro began to live the crime with fearful realism, the journey past the hotel to make sure the victims had gone to their home, the visit to Aunt Cindy's cabin to find her there, lying in the field waiting for the last light of the village to go out, gloating with vulgar exultation over their plot and planning other crimes to follow its success. How they crept along the shadows of the hedgerow of the lawn to avoid the moonlight, stood under the cedar, and through the open windows watched the mother and daughter laughing and talking within. Mind what I tells you now, tie to Owen when I give you the rope, said Gus in a whisper. My God, cried the agonized voice of the figure with the double cross, that's what the piece of burnt rope in the fireplace meant. Dr. Cameron again lifted his hand for silence now they burst into the room and with the light of hell in his beady yellow splotched eyes gus gripped his imaginary revolver and growled scream and i'll blow your brains out in spite of Dr. Cameron's warning, the white-robed figures jostled and pressed closer. Gus rose to his feet and started across the cave as if to spring on the shivering figure of the girl, the clansman with muttered groans, sobs, and curses falling back as he advanced. He still wore his full captain's uniform, its heavy epaulets flashing their gold in the unearthly light, his beastly jaws half covering the gold braid on the collar. His thick lips were drawn upward in an ugly leer, and his sinister beard eyes gleamed like a gorilla's a single fierce leap and the black claws clutched the air slowly as if sinking into the soft white throat strong men began to cry like children stop him stop him screamed a clansman springing on the negro and grinding his heel into his big thick neck a dozen more were on him in a moment kicking stamping cursing and crying like madmen dr cameron leaped forward and beat them off men men you must not kill him in this condition some of the white figures had fallen prostrate on the ground sobbing in a frenzy of uncontrollable emotion some were leaning against the walls their faces buried in their arms again old mcallister was on his knees crying over and over again god have mercy on my people when at length quiet was restored the negro was revived and again, bound, blindfolded, gagged, and thrown to the ground before the Grand Cyclops. A sudden inspiration flashed in Dr. Cameron's eyes. Turning to the figure with yellow sash and double cross, he said, Issue your orders and dispatch your courier tonight with the old Scottish rite of the fiery cross. It will send a thrill of inspiration to every clansman in the hills. Good. Prepare it quickly, was the answer dr cameron opened his medicine case drew the silver drinking cover from a flask and passed out of the cave to the dark circle of blood still shining in the sand by the water's edge he knelt and filled the cup half full of the crimson grains and dipped it into the river from a saddle he took the light wood torch returned within and placed the cup on the boulder on which the grand cyclops had sat he loosed the bundle of light wood took two pieces, tied them into the form of a cross, and laid it beside a lighted candle near the silver cup. The silent figures watched his every movement. He lifted the cup and said, Brethren, I hold in my hand the water of your river, bearing the red stain of the life of a southern woman, a priceless sacrifice on the altar of outraged civilization. Hear the message of your chief the tall figure with the yellow sash and double cross stepped before the strange altar while the white forms of the clansmen gathered about him in a circle he lifted his cap and laid it on the boulder and his men gazed on the flushed face of ben cameron the grand dragon of the realm he stood for a moment silent erect a smouldering fierceness in his eyes something cruel and yet magnetic in his alert bearing he looked on the prostrate negro lying in his uniform at his feet seized the cross lighted the three upper ends and held it blazing in his hand while in a voice full of the fires of feeling he said men of the south the time for words has passed the hour for action has struck the grand turk will execute this negro tonight and fling his body on the lawn of the black lieutenant governor of the state the grand turk bowed I ask for the swiftest messenger of this den who can ride till dawn." The man whom dr Cameron had already chosen stepped forward. Carry my summons to the Grand Titan of the adjoining province in North Carolina, whom you will find at Hambright. Tell him the story of this crime and what you have seen and heard. Ask him to report to me here the second night from this at 11 o'clock with six Grand Giants from his adjoining counties, each accompanied by 200 picked men. In olden times when the chieftain of our people summoned the clan on an errand of life and death the fiery cross extinguished in sacrificial blood was sent by swift courier from village to village this call was never made in vain nor will it be tonight in the new world here on this spot made holy ground by the blood of those we hold dearer than life i raise the ancient symbol of an unconquered race of men High above his head in the darkness of the cave he lifted the blazing emblem. The fiery cross of old Scotland's hills, I quench its flames in the sweetest blood that ever stained the sands of time. He dipped its ends in the silver cup, extinguished the fire, and handed the charred symbol to the courier, who quickly disappeared. End of Book four
1: Chapter two